Today I'm going to start a, a new series called Mindset, the story that you tell yourself. And it is, a, it is an important thing, how we view and how we look at the world. I, I, you know, I, I get excited about all the sermon series that we work on, but I will tell you, I am super excited about the next several weeks because I, I think with what we are looking at with COVID and how our nation and the culture war, wars that we're facing right now, I think there, there, is, there is nothing more critical than, than the, the, the lens that we look at the world through. Because we all have lenses. You know, you have a lens. You, you put it on every day. Whether you, in fact, it's, it's already in you. It frames up. It's, it's built on, we call it a worldview. It's built on how you, your parents and what your parents told you. And, and you're just like Lexi. You're, it's built on your education. It's built on where you grew up. It's built on things you were told and things that were implied. And we all have worldviews. And we're going to talk about your, your mindset the story that you tell yourself, because I really believe there's a difference. There's a, a big difference. People, when they think of mindset, sometimes they think of just, you know, being, being tough and getting through it. You ever say that to yourself? We're just going to get through it. We're just, we're just going to get through it. Let me tell you that Jesus didn't come and die on a cross and come out of a grave for us just to get through it. Amen. He didn't. That was pretty weak. I know it's only in nine o'clock. We're going we're to we're get better as we go on throughout the morning, okay? Jesus didn't come ju just to help us, just help us survive. Jesus came that we could thrive. He really did. He came that, that we could, could thrive. And you're hearing a lot about mental toughness these days. And you've probably noticed all in the media all the time, people talking about ways to cope. You hear that word a lot, ways to cope, ways to cope. And, and, and you used to hear a lot about mental toughness in, in my earlier years. You only heard about it in sports about athletes of all kinds, swimmers and cyclists and, and soccer players and baseball and football and all the golfers. You heard about mental toughness and the ability to, to focus. But I'll tell you, I'm hearing more and more about mental toughness in the workplace, mental toughness in how you engage your world. We, we just came out of a series in Revelation and you know, it's interesting, I, it's been a long time since I read through those passages of the seven churches, but one of the things that I kept noticing was how often Jesus said to people in the latter days, to him who overcomes, to him who overcomes, that word overcome kept coming up in the, the, the seven churches. There's going to come a day, friends, I do want you to hear me very clearly, for those of you at home this morning watching sitting there maybe with your family in your home or somewhere where you're vacationing. There's going to come a day when you're going to have to stand on your own two feet. You do know that, don't you? There's going to, as, as times get harder and as culture begins to squeeze Christians harder and harder, you're going to have to learn to stand on your own two feet. I will tell you, in my lifetime, I'm, I'm, I'm being as... I'm being as candid with you as I can be. In my lifetime, I have never seen an assault on the First Amendment like I have seen right now. And I don't mean just freedom to worship. I mean freedom to speak. I have never seen an assault on freedom of speech like you're experiencing right now. We call it a cancel culture. You're, just Google the word. You, you know... 
In fact, just, just in the last couple of days, USA Today ran an article on, on the can- Twitter's cancel culture, a force for good or a digital witch hunt. The answer is complicated. You see, right now, we have, we have a culture in which if, if someone doesn't like what you believe or what you say, they'll contact your employer. They'll contact your employer, show, show a, a, a tweet or show a post or just show something that you liked. You didn't even comment. You just liked. And if they don't like it, whoever they are, you might be out of a job. Just so, but my, my question is, who gets to decide that? Who gets to decide if what I say is okay or what you say is okay? We are in a cancel culture. You're going to have to learn You're going to have to learn how to stand on your own two feet. And I want to tell you something. As your pastor, one of my biggest roles is to give you straight talk in a world of chaos. And I'm going to do that. I'm going to give you straight talk. And not mean talk. Not hard talk. Straight talk. Because when times are confusing, you need Straight talk. And if there's one thing, you know, people that do what I do, we're often called shepherds. Well, I can tell you, I mean, I don't know. I've I've never uh, been a herdsman of sheep. I've seen sheep in Yorkshire. They look just like you think they would out in the pastures, little rock fences. But I can tell you the truth about shepherds, if I know anything, is they are gentle with their flock but they also hate the wolves and they protect what they love. And that's my role with you. That's where my heart is for you, that I give you straight talk. You know why? Because we live in a world that is full of deception. We live in a world that is full of deception. And where does that come from? It comes from the devil who is a master deceiver. I I don't think, I think very few, I don't don't know of any of us as Christians. I, I really don't. I don't know if there's ever been a Christian that's walked this planet, that truly can understand the professional level of talent the devil has for deception. He is a master con man. He's a master, master liar. In fact, Jesus said this about Satan in, in the discourse with the, the Pharisees. He talked about talking about the devil. When he lies, he speaks his native language. Isn't that interesting? When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and he's the father of lies. The Bible tell us, tells us that the enemy, our enemy, Satan, is the father of lies. And that's his native tongue. Well, The Bible tells us also, though, that we have the mind of Christ, and we're going to talk about that. What does it mean to have the mind of Christ? I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians if you've got a Bible, and listen, we're going to put put these verses on the screen for you, and I really fight doing this because I I don't want you to come to battle without a sword, right? I don't want you to get used to, you know, oh, he's just going to put them on the screen. I really hope you have the Word of God with you, and but if you don't, then we, I, I want to make sure you get this. The, here we go. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. It's, it's kind of close to the end of your Bible. In the New Testament, right before 2 Corinthians. For those of you who are navigationally challenged at times. Right? Here we go. We're going to pick it up, I think, in verse 11. Paul is writing to a church that's confused, by the way. Before we read this, I'm going to give you just a very quick context. He writing, he's writing to a church, just like Clearview, 
Just like Clearview, he's writing to a church that has a lot of internal confusion. They're being pressed from all sides. There's competing theories, just like you saw with Lexi. There's competing theories for what's right and what's wrong. And Paul, that's who Paul's dealing with. Here we go, 1 Corinthians 11. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man? That is, I can't know what you're thinking. Only you know that. That's what he's saying. But even so, the thoughts of God no one can know except the Spirit of God. Now he's talking about the Holy Spirit. Only the Holy Spirit can know the mind of God. Verse 12. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God. He's talking to Christians. So that we may know the things freely given to us by God, which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit. Combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. But a natural man, what he means is just an ordinary human being without Jesus Christ. That's what he means right there. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolish to him. He can't even understand them because they are spiritually appraised. But he who is spiritual appraises all things, yet he himself is appraised by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he will instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. Today I'm going to talk to you about a very simple idea as we work into this new mindset series. And I've entitled it something very simple. That change is possible. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that you can change? I hope you're glad. I hope, you're, I hope you got joy that you're not who you used to be. And we're not home yet. But I really hope that you find joy in the fact that people can change. If people can't change, friends, every one of us, including me, is in trouble. Every one of us is in trouble. Every one of us is in trouble. Change is possible. And based on what Paul said there in 1 Corinthians, I would tell you this when it comes to the... He said we have the mind of Christ. He said we have the... We, as believers in Jesus, we have the mind of Christ. And I would tell you this, that God, God would never... If I could put this into a sentence today, I would say it like this. God would never call you to own his mindset if change weren't possible. The Bible says you, as a believer in Jesus Christ, as a person ransomed and filled with the spirit of Jesus Christ, if God God hadn't done that, he wouldn't call you to have the mind of Christ. The very fact that God says you have the mind of Christ tells me that change actually is possible. It is very much possible. And it made me think of this passage that Paul said, one of my favorite verses in the New Testament. And I think we often kind of read right through it and put it on a bumper sticker. This is a very deep verse, and it means a lot. Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, I want you to look at that for just a second before we go on. What did Paul say in Galatians 2.20, that very first part? I have been crucified in Christ. You know what that means, don't you? Permanent death. When Jesus Christ came into your life, if you've asked Christ to come into your life and ransom you and forgive you and take over, let me tell you something, friends, the New Testament in many, many ways, over and over again in many ways, the New Testament tells me that God did not reform you. He did not make you better. He did not improve on you. Literally, you were put to death. That's why Jesus said you must be born again. You must be born again. 
I am not the same person that I was the day that I came to Christ. I'm a new creation. I'm a new creation. I, and and, and that you, you've got to understand the gravity of that. I think a lot of times we, we look at Jesus as this great repurposer. You know? He's this, it's like furniture that they sell in downtown Franklin. You know, that my granddaddy was trying to get rid of. They sand it and put some funky paint on it and call it antique. And my granddaddy said, I don't want that anymore. And then somebody smart enough says, well, why don't we just put some really cool paint on it and sell it for 17,000 times what your granddaddy paid for it. And somebody will buy that in Franklin and they'll call it cool. And I'm not saying it's not cool. I'm just saying you paid too much. That's all I'm saying, right? No, Jesus didn't repurpose you. Jesus put you to death. And he put his life in you. And he brought you out of the grave. Aren't you glad? Hey, all of those of you at home, let's get a digital amen. Give me an emoji or something. (laughs) You know, it's true. Jesus did it. So what is the role of the Spirit here? Because there, there's a lot about the Holy Spirit in this passage, and I'm going to kind of focus on that for just a few minutes. What is the role of the Holy Spirit in a change mindset? That change is possible. God, God would never call you to own his mindset if change were not possible. So I would tell you that the Holy Spirit in that role is the, is the role of a transformer. Now, not the, the figures that we saw when, when I was even young, the transformers came out. I'm not talking about that. The, the Holy Spirit, though, is a transformer. Look at what Paul said in in verse 12. He said, now we have what? Received. I circled it for you. We have received. You you couldn't do it on your own. You couldn't get better on your own. You couldn't forgive your own sins. It took a supernatural God to do that. So he said, we have received not the spirit of the world. Now, by the way, Paul's not saying that human wisdom is all bad. Please don't hear that. Paul's not saying that human wisdom is bad. He's not saying that at all. He's just saying that human wisdom has its limits, right? Human wisdom has its limits. And that's not, I mean, there's a lot of good common sense out there, but it's got its limits. But Paul said, when you came to Christ, and this is very important, and I want you to hear it. You didn't, when you came to Christ, you received from God all of himself in the form of Jesus Christ. And that spirit of Jesus Christ came into you and it wasn't the spirit of the world. You know why he compares the two? He didn't give you the spirit of the world. You know why? You already had that. You already had that. You already had the spirit of the natural. What God gave you was the spirit of the supernatural. Are you happy? He gave you the spirit of the supernatural. You see, you were limited by your own reasoning. You had to rely on your own stamina, on your own education. You had to rely on your own ability to make it happen for yourself. But there's an end to that. There's a a stopping point there. You you can't get any better. You're you're not going to go any further. And yet you received from God, not the spirit of the world. You already had that. You received now the supernatural. I kind of drew it out on my iPad for you. I would say it's a lot like this. You've got the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. You've got me. That's you. Uh, all right. So the, the Father downloaded all of himself. The Bible says that all of God was in the form of Jesus Christ. 
When you see Jesus Christ, you see the Father. When you see the heart of Jesus Christ, you see the heart of the Father. And all of the Father was downloaded into the Son. And all of the Son, remember what Jesus said? He told the disciples there at the end, what did he say? You guys need me to go away. You really need me to go away. Because if I don't go away, I can't send the Spirit to invade all of you. So I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. So guess what? All of the Father showed up in the Son, and all of the Son showed up in the Spirit. And the Spirit is now where? The Bible says Christ where? In me is the hope of glory, right? Hey, this is way better preaching than y'all are letting on, okay? I'm going to tell you. The, the, all of God, all of the Son, all of the Spirit, all of the Godhead is in Christ, and that came in the form of the Spirit And now that spirit is in me. So you know what this tells me? That because I have the spirit of Jesus Christ living in me, guess what I have? I have access. Did you hear me? Write that down if you're taking notes. I have access to the Father. Look at what he says in verse 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world. I already had that. But when I came to Christ, I got the Spirit, Holy Spirit, who is from God. Now, look at the last part of that verse. So that we may know the things freely given to us by God. You've got access to the heart of the Father. Listen, if I was a Pentecostal right now, which I, sometimes I wonder if I am, I don't really know. But, but if I was, I'd be dancing a lot. I don't dance real well, so I kinda, a man's got to know his limitations. But, but I'm, I'm telling you that that makes me happy. That I've got access to the heart of God. I've got access to who the Father is. The Holy Spirit is a transformer. He transforms you from the inside out. You're not who you used to be. You've got a changed mindset. You can have it. Listen, if, if God tells you you have the mind of Christ, then you've got it. You've got access to it. And he would never call you to own the mind of Christ if change were not possible. The Holy Spirit is a transformer. But he doesn't just transform just to change. Now that Holy Spirit in you, I would say that the other role of the Holy Spirit we see in 1 Corinthians 12 or 2 is that the Holy Spirit's a filter. Now you know what a filter is. Coffee filter, a photo filter. There's a, we use the word filter all the time for all sorts of reasons. It's meant to filter out the bad and, and help the good get through, right? Well, when you look at the Holy Spirit as, as a filter, there's a word that Paul keeps using several times here in, in, uh, in verse 14. He uses it, I think, again in verse 15. He uses this word appraised. And look at verse 14. He says, The natural man cannot accept the things of God for their foolishness. That is, the natural person, the person that doesn't want anything to do with the Lord Jesus Christ, that, well, the things of God are foolish to them. And they can't understand them, verse 14, because they are spiritually appraised. Combined, that is, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. Look in verse 15. Man, I love this verse. But the person who is spiritual appraises all things. Appraises. You are free to appraise. Did you know that? You are free. Listen, you are free. Listen to me. This is going to sound weird because you've been told by pop culture for years and years and years that you should never judge. That is not true. You absolutely have the right to judge. Now, I'm not talking about judge somebody's character. Being judgmental, you know, you make judgments every day. You do realize that, don't you? You make judgments every day. 
We're not talking about you judging somebody that you don't even know based on, you know, every time I see somebody wearing a sports team shirt that I don't like, I don't think they're an awful person. I just think they're somewhat lesser intellectually than most people. It's a total joke. That was a pretty good joke. You, that was pretty. Um, no. It's not about judging somebody's character. You make value assessments all the time. What did Jesus say? You'll know a tree by its fruits. Didn't he say that? Yeah, he said that. So when, 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 the, when the Bible tells us that, that we have the right to appraise, that's the word of God. You know what that means? In the most wooden sense of that phrase in the language of the New Testament, to appraise is, is what I would say, to judge with the authority of ascribing worth. To judge with the authority to ascribe worth. That means when Paul says that if you have the spirit of Christ in you, you have the ability, the God-given filter based on the Holy Spirit because you're not filtering off natural wisdom. Natural wisdom can tell you to do a lot of things. But the Spirit of the living God has given you the ability to judge with the authority of, of ascribing worth. You have a filter that God gave you. It's not your filter. It's the Word of God. It's why we talk all the time at Clearview about you've got to know the Word of God. You've got to know the Word of God because you cannot appraise. You know, I'm not an appraiser. I know a lot of people in real estate, but I can tell you this. I can't just walk up onto a property and say, yeah, I think this one's worth, you know, about 727000 I mean, you've you got to have talent to know that kind of stuff. You've got to have history. You've got to have education. You've got to have a, an understanding of the market you got to have done it. See, you just can't appraise things in natural wisdom, but because you have Christ in you, the hope of glory, you have the ability to filter out the lies. Are you with me? Are you, are you listening to me, students? You have the ability to filter out what pop culture tells you versus what the Bible tells you. You see, you have the mind of Christ. The Bible says if you have Christ, you have the, the mind of Christ. It made me think about a compass. There's an app on your iPhone if you've if you got one. And I'm sure most everybody does these days. There's an there's a, there's a app you can get. It's a compass. And, and you'll often see when you turn on your GPS settings. Don't do it right now, please, because I'm, I'm, I'm speaking about good stuff here. I don't need you going on. Because you know, then you're going to get on Facebook and then I've lost you. All right? But... That you'll see from time to time, this thing say calibrate. You know, and it's saying, you ever had to twist your phone and do that? You know what that's doing, don't you? It's talking to the satellites. It's saying, I, I don't really know. I can't get a bearing on where this person is standing. So you move that compass around and it, and it, it gets it oriented to where whammo, you've got what we call triangulation. Where you've got a couple of satellites pinpointing your position. Let me tell you something. If you don't have Christ... Your compass is just spinning. Now, I want you to listen to me really close because this is important, all of you. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how young. If you're an eighth grader or if you're 80 years old, listen to me. This is important. If you do not know who you are in Christ and if you do not know the word of God, your compass is going to go wherever you get the most pressure to go. It's going to go wherever you get the most pressure. 
Because if, you if you're not grounded on the word of God, and if you're not standing deep in the word of God on your own, if you're not standing on the word of God, you can only take all, listen to me, all of you, every one of us, we can only take so much pressure. We can only take so much pressure until finally we get disoriented. We're going to get disoriented and you're going to follow popular thought. You see, the Bible says you have the mind of Christ and that is yours to possess. And I want to say something to you this morning and I don't want you to forget it. That your mind will serve what you allow it to serve. Did you hear me? Your mind will serve what you allow it to serve. Your mind will serve what you allow to dwell there. Now, I'm going to tell you some things in the next few minutes, and, and I really want you to hone in. I don't care. I don't care how tired you may have been, or I don't care where you got to go. Listen, this is going to matter to you. It's going to tell you whether or not you should sign that contract. It's going to tell you about navigating parenting. It's going to talk to you about what Instagram tells you and what Instagram doesn't tell you. It's going to tell you about society. What I'm going to walk you through in the next few seconds is, is based on the Word of God, and I don't want you to miss it. So... Sit up for a second and lock in tight. Your mind will serve what you allow it to serve, meaning what you allow to dwell there. Let me, let me, let me break down the difference between, we call, we're calling this series Mindset. Well, let me break down to you what a mind and a mindset is, because they're, they're different things. Here we go. I wrote it up here for you. A mind is what you control. A mindset is what controls you. Now, I want you to, I want you to meditate on that for a minute. A mind is what you control. You see, when you got saved, when you came to Jesus Christ, when I came to Jesus, friend, listen, I didn't get a new brain. I didn't get a new brain, unfortunately. I didn't get a new brain. I would really have liked a new brain if it was an upgrade. Like if it was a download from the app store, I would have taken it. Because it had all the bugs fixed. That's what they always tell me on the, on the app fixes, you know. I'll take it. But. I didn't get a new brain, but I tell you what I did get, praise God, I got a new mind. I got a new mind. I got a new lens to interpret the world around me. I got a new filter to tell me truth from error. I got a new filter to tell me what God says about me versus what the whole world tells me they want me to conform to. So I got the ability to have a new mind. I can control that. Now, a mindset is what controls me. Let me give you a very simple definition or a very simple example. There's a difference between being a victim versus having been a victim. Some of you have been victims of awful situations, but you don't have to keep being a victim. Did you hear me? You may have been a victim. That's a situation that happened to you. But a mindset, of, have you ever met anybody that has the mindset of a victim. They're always getting the short end of the stick. Somebody's always ripping them off. They're always getting cheated. I stood in a courtroom one time as a character witness, and there was a, a case before me, before I had to go up and be a character witness for this. And there was a guy standing before a judge, and the judge, I, you can't script this stuff. I, I, was list, I was listening to this dude, and, and the judge said, why are you doing drugs? And the, 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 the guy literally blamed it on his mother. And the judge said, 
Are you telling me as a 35-year-old grown man that your mother made you snort cocaine? If she didn't treat me the way she did, and I lost my job, and he went into all of this stuff, and I'm like, wow. See, that's a victim mindset. Somebody else made me do it. I had no choice but to do it. I'm acting this way because of what happened to me 10 years ago. There's a difference between the mind and the mindset. Now you say, Jason, how how can you say that the mind is what you control? Listen to me, friend. Read this book. Read this book. It's the living word of God. And I'm just going to show you a couple of fast. I mean, these are just a few. The New Testament is full of the fact that you can control what goes into your mind. Look at what, just, we're going to go through these just real fast. Look on the screen. The Bible says in Joshua 1, he t- God told Joshua, meditate on it day and night. That's a choice. He can't make you meditate. That's a choice. Meditate on the word of God day and night. Psalm 1, my favorite psalm of all. He said, the man of God meditates day and night. That's a choice to meditate. Look at what Philippians 4, 8 says. Think about these things. That's a choice. See, I have a choice of what I allow to dwell in my head. I have a choice, right? Colossians 3, 2. We're going to do a whole sermon on this next week. Set your your mind. Oh, man, what a powerful phrase. Set your mind. Choose to focus on this, not that. I love what Paul said in Romans 12. Be transformed. Where? By the renewing of your brain. No, by the renewing of your mind. Paul says we have the ability to look at what the Word of God tells us. And, and that, that can shape it all. That's the difference between a mindset and a, and a mind. I want to show you a picture of my two boys. That, that's, that's, a picture off of, uh, that's a picture of a picture, I guess, off of our refrigerator. And uh, that's been a while. But one of the, I've coached baseball, I've coached football in this town too for 10 years now. And, and I really struggled coaching those little dudes in baseball because I had to start. I remember my first baseball practice. I thought, okay, what, what, am I, what do they know about the game of baseball? And the answer was nothing. And, and so I literally had to start with this is what an out is. And this is what a base is. And when you, this is a ball. And when you hit it, because sometimes they would hit it at the age of six, boom. And then look at me. I'm like, Run! You know, oh, okay, sure. You know, stop! Okay. You know, that's what they do because they're five and six years old. And, and the hardest thing in the world that I had to teach these uh, boys by the time they got to be seven, eight, nine years old is what I discovered about these, 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 these young boys. Man, you guys, it's so much fun because they keep you humble. But I discovered in baseball that when a kid can get enough strength to throw a baseball, typically what he will do when you start playing real baseball and he takes, takes a ground ball at shortstop or third base or wherever, he takes a ground ball. Most kids don't throw it to first base. They throw it in the general vicinity of first base. Okay, and they kind of just sling it. They'll get it, whoom, and just sling it. And if you're in the stands, heads up, because it might, it might make it. And I would just find myself in, I would find my internal thermometer just, and I would like, boys, the best, I, I can still hear myself say, I say all the time, the best catch in the world means nothing 
if you throw the ball 87 feet over the head of the first baseman. Because where's the runner going to go? Second, maybe third, or home. Right? Oh, yeah. And so I would tell them all the time. I'd have to tell them a hundred times in the practice season. Don't just throw it in the general vicinity of the first baseman. Okay? I would say throw it to the first baseman. And then I could never... I mean, that's why I've got a bald spot. I could never, I was losing hair. I could never get them to understand why this was so important. Until finally one day, I just had this thought, and it worked. I said, do you guys pull them all in? And as they were, I said, come here, come here, everybody come here. And and as they're running toward me, I'm going, be nice, be nice, be nice. They're only seven, they're only seven, you know. Y'all see, I'm a real person. Like, I struggle. And so I would tell them, boys, listen. And finally, one day, I just, and it, it clicked. I said, do you guys realize that every time you throw it over the head of the first baseman, really what you're doing is playing for the other team? What you're doing is you're walking over. I said, now, listen, we're the, oh, I've been the Cubs, the Pirates, the Angels. I've been all kinds I think that year might have been the Cubs. I said, do you you realize that we're walking over to the other team's dugout, we're taking our uniforms off, we're putting their uniform on, and we're going to help beat our team. That's what you're doing. When you throw it over the first baseman's head, you're playing for the other team. And finally, they realized it. That and a whole lot of laps, making them just run. Those two things together really did, for some reason, reinforce the idea. I want to say to you this morning that when you let your mind play for the other team, you're going to lose. The Bible says you have the mind of Christ. You've got the mind. Look at this verse. You've got the mind of Christ. But if you don't believe that, You're playing for the other team. You're letting the enemy decide the narrative that you believe about yourself. Listen to me, friends. I love what Martin Luther said one time. He said, you cannot, this is great. Martin Luther said, you cannot stop birds from flying over your head, but you can stop them from building a nest in your hair. That's awesome. That's really great theology, by the way, from Martin Luther, the father of the Reformation. Yes, you can control what you dwell on. You can control what you dwell on. You've got the mind of Christ. God would never call you to own his mindset if change weren't possible. You've got the mind of Christ. You know, you often don't think about sharing something with somebody like a tweet or an email or sending them a sermon or sending them a podcast. You don't often think of that as missions, but it is. It's not that you have to send it to the whole world or post every single thing we do at Clearview on your feed. But if, if you've heard a sermon or if you've listened to a podcast, think through your life. I mean, God, who needs to hear this? Sometimes it, it, it doesn't need to go on your Facebook page. Sometimes it needs to go on your Twitter, but sometimes just a simple text to one person can make all the difference in the world to sending them the Word of God in real time. Share it. You'd be surprised how far it goes.